We're live. Terry Demeter. Hey. So, this is awesome. The main reason that I think we bonded at work Uh is uh, your heavy metal shirts. And I don't think I've ever seen you wear the same one twice. (laughs) That's that's quite possible. And just your just your knowledge right like i'm like small town guy so 80s what is it am radio right so like my entire exposure was like whatever they played so we would get like i like quiet riot was a thing when i was young but that was like there was that poison motley crew there wasn't like metal ever on the radio it was hard rock yeah it was hard rock yeah but like that's safe that's yeah, safe, right? But like, that was like small towns envisionment of like the rebel, right? Like Motley Crue, like for them to even be like on the radio, and then like you, but you would never hear about like Shout at the Devil or something like that, right? It would be like like Livewire or something, right? Well, yeah, because like, I mean they didn't want to alienate. Like no radio station wants to alienate their their uh, advertisers, which is why you very rarely hear anything sort of cutting edge or uh, dangerous. Hey, it's not really dangerous. It's just stuff that, that might might kind of give people pause to think, geez, you know, this isn't what we normally hear. What the hell is this, right? Yeah. When do you feel radio stations started softening up? Uh, like Dr. Feelgood was pretty well, heavy, but I, that's still like... See, I think, I think we... You and I were kind of born probably about five or ten years just a little bit too late because I I, I really started getting into music uh, uh, I would probably say about grade seven or grade eight and I think I think you know from from what I've read and I understand from from uh, uh, hearing and hearing you know art Canadian artists talk about music and in and, and books and magazines that I've read is that you know, things started to really happen in the 70s when when FM uh, radio kind of uh, started and you your your rules were a lot different. And so, like, I think in the 70s, the 70s and the early 80s, I mean, I remember CJME was a rock station and they played Accept Balls to the Wall. I wow. still remember that. Now they're a news talk station. Which just goes to show you that, like, in a span of, like, 35 years, well, not 35 years, probably a bit more, 40 years, things have changed that much. That would be, like, the provincial news talk radio. Yeah. Yeah, here in Saskatchewan, right? So, and and there was a time, I still remember, for the very first time I ever heard the German band Accept, Balls to the Wall, was on CJME, of all, of all things. But I think, you know, uh, once once... Uh, radio stations realized uh, like locally that uh, they could you know uh, get a lot more a lot more listeners and a lot more revenue uh, uh, was probably in in the the late 80s early 90s because there's there was only so much like you know classic rock they call it hair metal which is a derogatory term right but you know it's it's kind of considered classic hard rock now like like the poisons and the Bon Jovi's. Yeah, I mean, like when you say hair metal, I think White Snake. Well, yeah, but I mean anything yeah. that fits that aesthetic, right? You know, uh, again, it's it's the the term hair metal is used as a as sort of a catch-all for anything anything like the classic hard rock from the Sunset Strip, uh, you know that that classic Hollywood sort of hard rock stuff. 
But I, I think once that began, began to get a little bit uh, cliche, you know, they started, I think a lot of radio stations started to, to play uh, top 40 a lot more, to be quite honest. And, and Regina Radio has always been garbage, I, I think. Uh, you know, it's so hit and miss. Uh, the 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 two stations I listen to are uh, the Wolf, which only only probably uh, plays about five or ten percent of their their playlist is stuff that I would actually listen to at home, and um, uh, Jack yeah Jack uh, ninety four point five or whatever yeah and they play classic rock which you know uh, is not bad but again they're 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 going to appeal to but is it more like smoke on the water classic rock or well yeah but i mean they also play fleetwood mac okay you know and you know and i i just i i i think regina radio has always been always been safe it's it's never really been sort of cutting edge or anything like that and that's why i kind of miss or i kind of wish i would have been born in that time when when uh, uh, you know FM radio really took off, and you could hear—I remember—I remember listening to a show on CBC called Brave New Waves back in the day, and I don't even know if it's on anymore. And they would play some of the craziest stuff uh, that you would never ever get to hear on local radio. And you know, I discovered a lot of great bands uh, through through Brave New Waves, but I mean, they weren't. It wasn't specifically hard rock or heavy metal or anything. They, there was like you know the entire spectrum of stuff. But it was, it was sort of one of those radio shows that uh, they played whatever the DJ was listening to or wanted to to uh, uh, kind of expose to their their listenership, right? And you don't get that anymore. There's you know there's. The odd time they'll they'll have okay we're gonna we're gonna play a a a new local musician but they never play anything that you know might be uh, misconstrued as as uh, you know death metal or black metal or anything like that I mean there are local bands that would would love to get the exposure on local radio but you'll you'll never get it and and the the uh, local nonprofit station CJTR eh, don't even get me started. <laughs> um. How much do you think much music changed it? Well, again, you know, I think I think uh, video, especially back in the in the eighties and nineties. I mean, I still have all my VHS tapes of where I I would record the Pepsi Power Hour, and then it was the Pepsi. Uh, is it the the? the Pepsi I remember the Power Hour. Hour. Yeah, with uh, J D. Roberts, who's now a reporter for. Fox News of all things. Wow. Yeah, but but I think I think much music. Uh, uh, it it exposed again. It exposed a lot of of, of niche uh, uh, genres. Like I mean, there was a rap show and there was a, a metal show and there was dance shows and and uh, I discovered a lot of a lot of great music because of much music. But now it's it's all top pretty much top 40 i don't even know if they do they play videos anymore i don't even know i know mtv stopped playing videos ages ago and their defense for it was if you wanted to watch a video you'd youtube it so youtube was their defense of like we don't play music videos because if you want to see a music video you're not going to sit and watch our channel for four hours like i remember in the 90s like i was in university like 92 to 96 and it just our we were in a quad at luther college and it's like 
the quad would pretty much like there would be one TV that someone would get for us, right? And it would just sit perpetually on much music, right? And that was just what it was. And then like you would just let it play out its course, right, during the day of its top forty. But then it would go through the power hour, and yeah, it would go through like I don't know what their version of Yo MTV Raps was, but I know they had something, right? And then yeah. they would have like the equivalent of what you said with like the kind of like the indie scene stuff. Yeah, yeah. And like I remember that because I remember. I can't remember what the show was called though. That bugs me. But I remember like one week they came out and they played um, Offspring for like the first time. Right. And this is like 92, 93 maybe ish, right? And it's just like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> like, but I don't know where there's a launching pad anymore, right? Like, but I'm also 44 and don't go seeking it, right? Like, well, I think, I think it's, it's kind of the problem with, with music and, and books and really any sort of form of entertainment you can get anything you want uh like just by clicking a mouse it might take a little bit to find it but uh, and that i i kind of miss that sense of discovering something out of the blue you know just by happening happening to turn on the channel at the right time and seeing a crazy video uh by the a metal band from montreal that you had never heard of and then you know 40 years later you're still listening to them that i miss that but you know you can you can find anything like it's it's i don't know if it's a good thing because it it kind of dilutes dilutes your uh, well, i mean for some people i i suppose it it's who could just sit there and and be on the computer uh 24 7 researching new bands and whatnot new new songs that's fine but like when I, I still remember, you know, like the chase, you know, reading about an album in uh, a, a magazine like Metal Maniacs or Metal Forces and and thinking, oh, my God, that would be awesome if I could find that. And then, you know, you put that on your little want list of stuff that you're looking for. And every time you went to Music Plus or Sam the Record Man or A&A Records and Tapes or A&B Sound, you know, you would, you'd be looking for those things, right? And uh, there was that euphoric feeling when you found it. But now, uh, if there's, you know, a limited edition pressing of, you know, a blood red vinyl by a, a Swedish black metal band, you're you could probably find it in about five minutes. I mean, that's great for the collector, but you know, there's, I still have stories for certain albums that I bought. Like I remember the very first time that I, I bought uh, a Dokken album. I remember the very first, like I can tell you the story. Right. Uh, and you know, those, those types of things, they define sort of uh, your relationship with those albums. Whereas now it's like, yeah, I can go to Amazon or whatever, whatever website it is, and just fill my cart full of albums that I've been looking for and be done with it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not the same. It's convenient, but it's, it's just not the same. And you can't really explain that to people that, you know, have never had that feeling before. Because, uh, you know, in, in the way things are now, um, it's, like I said, you know, I sound like a broken record. Haha, <laughs> get it? Uh, <laughs> but you can find anything, anything you, you want. And it's, it kind of, it, it ruins the chase. 
Yeah. And, and that's I, sad. I, I think anyway. Yeah. And like, like you said, remembering your purchase of certain things, like, um, being once again, small town. So everything was driven through like the radio stations. Right. And that's what it, it was, what it was or whatever magazines that came out. But like, I distinctly remember the first time I got master of puppets from one of my sister's boyfriends. Yep. Because he was older, he listened to whatever music that wasn't mainstream at the time. I had no idea who it was, and I don't know why he, like, gave it to me, but, like, it just, he gave me the cassette. I can't remember if I asked for it or said, what was that? Because I saw the crosses with the fingers in the sky, like, easily, I think, one of the most influential heavy metal albums of all time, right? And I just, like, happened into it through, like, someone my sister was dating, and it was the cassette, and he's like here give it a listen so it's like rewinded to the beginning and there's like i don't like there's anticipation to it too right so like i remember like you hitting play and then just like the build of battery and then just the the flow into master of puppets and stuff like that and like i can't tell you the last time an album had that effect on me yeah for sure you know and and but you've got that relationship with with that and it and whether it's because of when you got it uh, or your personality or you know the way you were at the time or where you were at the time it, it's kind of all those things I remember where I bought Master of Puppets I went to go pick up my and this is weird because I went to go pick up my sister who was working at Zeller's and they had an entire display of Masters of Master of Puppets in these really terrible like canary yellow long boxes and in this is in a, a long boxes, you know, you know what long boxes yeah. are, right? It was a, it was a way of packaging things. It was just that. It was just yeah. It was this long cellophane wrapped piece of cardboard that kind of encased the cassette or the CD at the yeah, time. Yeah, CDs had them too for yeah, a while, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. And so when when uh, uh, long boxes came out, that's how that's how they packaged them and I still remember going in and going Zellers in Victoria Square Mall of all places has Master of Puppets like that's ridiculous it was awesome and was I was it a big display yeah it was kind of like a little stand-up display off to the side and and you know they I think they were probably only selling them for $7.99 7 or $8.99 right and you know it was just really cool I still and I even remember what I was listening to the car I was listening to Anthrax and I was like, well, geez, I wonder if this is better than the new Anthrax album that I'm listening to. See, I remember those things. I don't know why. I don't know why I have that sort of relationship with some of those old albums. It's just, it's just the way things go for me. I don't know. And now I could, I could go and buy a stack of albums and they'll sit on my, my office desk for a month before I get to them. And I, rem- I, I remember the way things were. Is you saved up for one album and you had that tough decision. Like, I've got three albums that I want to buy. I can buy one and I'm not guaranteed that the other two are going to be here the next time I have cash. So you make that, that soul-crushing decision of that to put two back and then you would listen to that album for four weeks and you would, you would memorize everything about it. You'd wear it out. You'd yeah. wear it out. You would. You would absolutely wear it out. Then you'd have to either take a, a, a white out and mark the side of the cassette, because side one and side two, because the printing all wore off and you couldn't read the songs, so you had no idea what side you were going to play. Right? Oh, I've done that to, on a ton of cassettes. It's crazy. 
giving me the nostalgias. <laughs> I still have all my cassettes too, man. So yeah, and it's like I keep saying because smaller town, no access to it, right? And it yep. wasn't exactly a heavy metal town. Like in high school, I remember like and even growing up, like ACDC was kind of like the end all be all is the heavy metal reference. But they were also radio friendly, right? Like, right. Yeah, exactly. Party rock. Yeah. And so that was the definition of heavy metal for a long time. And then I think Appetite is what kind of opened it up for the smaller. But like I was also like young, like sheltered kid. Right. So like I was naive to so much of the music. Right. So it took something being like a phenomenon on that scale in the 80s. Right. To, for me to even like know about it. Right. Because it's like. Like you said, go to Kmart, go to Zeller's. What's the biggest display? Oh, that must be good, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, for sure, right? But I mean, you know, back back in those days, there was there was tape trading as well, too. And and uh, you know, if you were lucky enough to to kind of get in, and I did some trade tape trading, not a whole lot, uh, but you you would discover bands uh, just by by sheer sheer chance, you know, and and I think. That was that was sort of the benefit for me because uh, I was directly inter, uh, uh, you know influenced by the music my sister was listening to, and you know she was the 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 fellow that she was dating at the time uh, gave me an Iron Maiden cassette, and that's kind of what started it for me, right? And then I I kind of discovered this entire world, but if it weren't for my sister listening to that music. You know, uh, uh, who knows <laughs> what I'd be listening to. So the the root of this is we blame our sister's choice of boyfriends. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That's kind of funny. Yeah, it is. It is. But but I mean, I think I think you're yeah, it has to it has to touch you in a way, you know, like it it really has to affect you profoundly to kind of be passionate about a certain kind of music. Like it just has to. I mean, uh, you know, I've I've met people that are, you know, uh, uh, live and die jazz. Like I don't I don't quite get jazz. I've never really been exposed to it. <clears throat> but when I was working with at HMV for so many years, we had customers that would come in and they would be just encyclopedic, you know, uh, uh, with with some of their knowledge of of jazz artists. And, you know, that type of thing. When they were young, they had an uncle or their dad or somebody exposed them to this music. And it just, it really just grabbed them and didn't let go. And so you have this lifelong journey with this type of music. And, you know, I, nowadays I kind of judge things by, you know, will I be listening to this in 30 years? And you know what? For for like the Led Zeppelins, the Black Sabbaths, Iron Maidens, Judas Priests, Saxons, and Fates Warning, and oh my God, like Rotting Christ, like I will probably be listening to that stuff when I'm old and gray. I mean, I'm almost there, but but yeah, you know, can you say that about ninety five percent of the music that's out in the last twenty years? No, I, you can't. Like it ha- like to me, music has to have staying power. It's got to be as interesting 20 years down the road as when you first listened to it. And, you know, I'm I'm sort of rediscovering albums that I kind of forgot about. Because, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying I have 
uh, the biggest collection, but I've got quite a collection of albums and and you go, oh geez, I forgot all about this band. And then you you listen to that for an entire week and you go, it's it's just like a brand new album or a brand like you know a bunch of series of, of, of brand new albums that you haven't listened to in 15 years and you go, oh my God, this is really good or or and it happens. Why did I like this to begin with? Because I'm the first person to admit there is a lot of really bad hard rock and heavy metal out there. But the stuff that ri- the cream that rises to the top is incomparable. Like it's just amazing, right? But I mean, you can say that you can say that about jazz, you can say that about blues. You can't I don't think you can say that about rap music. I think all rap is garbage. Well, it's fashion. It's fashion. Uh, to me, it, it's that's all it is. You know, if if you've got if rap artists are are legitimate artists, why why do they have to sample other people's music in order to create a hit? And you know, lyrically, uh, you know, the, some of the stuff is beyond comprehension to me. Here, here's my one confession for the night. Um, I heard You Can't Touch This before I ever heard Super Freak. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Or um, Under Pressure. Yeah. I heard Queen. that after I heard Ice Ice Baby. Really? Because all, yeah, like all I had was what small, whatever, I would have, I'm from Melville, so it would have been the Yorkton radio oh, station, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. So like whatever that specific station is playing, that's what yeah. I know. So if they're ramping up like you say with the sampling right so if they're ramping up um ice ice baby and mc hammer and all this stuff i'm hearing these samples that they're basing yeah. their yeah, yeah, and sure. like you said they're basing their music off of it right but then like i never got that like musical education of the 60s and 70s and yeah. leading into it right like when i finally did discover metallica i had to like reverse back right and then all of a sudden, like, so I'm from the 80s, so all of a sudden, like, and that was just normal, right? Like, blue jeans, t-shirt, I wasn't part of any crowd or whatever. But then all of a sudden, I had to seek out what they called the skids at the time, right? Mm-hmm. But those were the heavy metal people. And I would be like, do one of you ever ride the lightning? And then they're like, you? You. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, yeah. And then, like, so I had to get my sister to, like, drive me across town to, like, this person's house to like pick up a copy of Ride the Lightning and I had to work my way back and do that kill them all and then I think I was right on it when like Garage Days came out or whatever and then I was able to move forward with it but then like I had to change who my like who my friends were and who I talked to and then finally convenience stores started getting like what were the main main metal magazines Metal Maniacs was probably the for, for for that period of time that was kind of one of the ones that was you know, kind of uh, uh, fairly, fairly accessible just about everywhere. Metal maniacs. But yeah, like I don't remember. I probably wasn't looking for the them, but I don't remember seeing those on the shelf until yeah. like the ramp up to maybe and Justice for All. Yeah. Then right, and there's the posters in the middle. But then I find so it would have been late '80s, and I finally got. I started just looking through everything, right? And then I learned about Anthrax. I learned about Slayer. I learned yeah. about like all of it, right? But then there's nowhere to buy it. Yeah. So I didn't get anything till I moved here in 92, 93, right? Like And and you know that's but you you at least you at least had 
the wherewithal to, to say, I like this one album. What else did these guys do? Right. Whereas, whereas the casual music fan goes, yeah, that's a great album. I had no idea they played anything else. Who cares? You know? And, and you know, you, you touched on one thing, like you had to kind of seek out other people. And when, and when you like presented yourself as a fan of this band and they looked at you they're like, are you worthy enough to, to listen to it? And that, that is something that's huge in heavy metal. Like it's not, it's not that we don't, it's not that metalheads don't want everybody to listen to their music. It's just, you know, you want that respect to be given to, to this form of music because it, it's challenging, it's demanding. And, you know, it's not for the casual listener because it really does pull you in and it forces you. I mean, I think for the, for the, uh, uh, for most people, it, it forces you to be engaged and, and really, you know, uh, take it for all it's worth. And, you know, that's the, uh, the whole thing where, uh, was it, I can't remember her name. Rhiannon was wearing a, an Iron Maiden or a Slayer shirt or the Kardashians, sorry, were wearing Slayer shirts. And you were like, that, that's not what it's about. Like that's wrong. That's like draping the 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 thrash flag around you when you've never even heard of of a thrash band. It was probably more for the logo or like the image, right? Yeah, the like, image, right? And so that 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 is insulting to Slayer to people like myself. And and you know it sounds you know we're on a on a soapbox you know talking about about how great our music is but you know uh i i don't i don't see uh how how you couldn't uh go unscathed like you put on something like that and slayer is i i love slayer you know and slayer is one of those bands that <laughs> you know it probably would have you know just stripped her flesh had she actually listened to it you know, it would have tore her apart. It, she, there would have been nothing left because she wouldn't have known, or, or you know, none of them would have known what to do with it. And but to wear this like she's some Slayer fan, no, you don't fucking listen to Slayer. <laughs> you don't. And and I we we find that insulting. But you you presented yourself to these people and you said, yeah, I'm a fan. What else do they have? And you know, you went back and I like doing that. I like going, uh, and you could, because you can see the progression of a band when you listen to stuff chronologically, right? So you go back to the very start and you listen to Kill Em All and you listen to Ride the Lightning and you listen to Master Puppets and Justice for All Black Album, you, so on and so forth. You can really, if, if and you're... stop right there. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but you know what? They... Metallica took a lot of grief for for load and reload and and Saint Anger, but you know I even though they're not my favorite albums by any stretch of the imagination. Imagine if, imagine if you for for say I don't know three hundred days of the year had to play the same set list, the same songs, over and over and over again, and perform like it's the first time you've ever played those songs for that audience, you know, and that has got to be draining 
you know, I, I, I really do feel for, for bands like, like that because they're, they're stuck. They're, they're set list. I mean, I heard, uh, uh, you know, the, the latest album is fantastic, but you know, I feel bad that there's only a few of those songs that they're really going to be able to, to the last two, I feel have been really good. Yeah. But, you know, (coughs) but you know, people will, you know, riot, you know, not not literally but figuratively riot if they don't play you know whiplash you know give these guys a break they've been, they've been i think they're obligated to play inner sandman for the rest of their lives but you know even even i as a fan uh, i don't ever need need to hear enter sandman again i don't ever have to hear it uh imagine them having to play that song over and over and over again and so yeah that gets that gets much that gets probably too much to handle. And, you know, even, hey, I love pizza, but I do not want to eat pizza every night of the week. You know, too much of a good thing. But, and, and those guys, uh, you know, I, I, I can't really speak for the, for the, uh, the bass player because I don't really know a whole lot about him other than he played for suicidal tendencies, but, and groove. Infectious grooves. Infectious grooves, yeah. But, you know, those guys have, a pretty seasoned musical background and they've listened to a lot of different stuff. I bet you they would absolutely, I bet, bet you Lars would love to play some old new wave of British heavy metal stuff. I, I, they would probably love that, but it'll never happen because people will go, you played that st- song instead of creeping death. Like what the fuck is wrong with you guys? I think that's why they do those garage things. They haven't done one for a while now, right? Like, and I kind of enjoyed them, and a lot of their B-sides would always be, like, really cool, like, them covering something that they liked when they were young and they were starting out. Like, they would hit on a lot of, like, the new wave of British heavy metal yeah. stuff, or they would hit on the Danzigs of the world, and just, yeah. um, I think they did one King Diamond one. Yeah. Like, they acknowledge the other people yeah, that are, like, sure. the trendsetters of the industry, and I like that, because, yeah, it's probably breaks the monotony for them, right? And then... Yeah, but that's that's like one one song that they get to play in a in a two and a half three hour show yeah and that it's the same song you know and and so you know i i it's it's a you know kind of a double-edged sword because you want to go and see them like some of the the casual listener wants to hear their hits i assume 75 percent of every crowd is a casual if not more yeah, especially yeah. for someone as big as Metallica. I didn't even bother going this last time around because it was like a football stadium show. Yeah, but I hit them the last six times they were within a province, right? right. So like, I went out of my way to see them for a very long time, and um, yeah, I just I don't know. It's and for a while there, I felt like I would go and there would be all these like there would be the the crowd that was just there to get like crazy, violent, drunk, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like. I got to a point where, like, I was in the fan club, so I was always, like, up front, against the rail, trying to have a good time, and I felt like I was surrounded by assholes. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's that's part of it. Because to me, like, I don't know, when I go to stuff and I see, like, whether, like, I think it's already well known on this podcast that I love wrestling, so it's whenever I go to, like, a band that I enjoy, or to a wrestling event, or to, like, anything live entertainment, right? The fans are the ones that are kind of sitting there in awe, like, watching what they want to see. Yeah. And then there's just, you get your asshole factor that are just going to see an attraction, and if it bore, if they don't find it entertaining at that moment, they're just going to be a prick, right? Like, Yeah, but I mean, that's that's just the lack of respect that, 
that you'll you'll find in any crowd in absolutely any crowd and you know it's i've i've been lucky that you know a lot of the things you know even even just you know movies and 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 uh, uh entertainment in general i've been lucky that i it hasn't really i haven't really entered had a situation where something's been ruined by yeah. like i've been annoyed i've been annoyed i mean uh uh when I went and saw Anthrax. It was uh, the third, the third show of their reunion tour when Dave Spitz and Joey Belladonna had come back, and I happened to be in Australia at the time in Brisbane, Australia, <laughs> and and you think you think crowds get get crazy here? Like we are absolutely tame compared to the Aussies. Like we, you know, my my girlfriend at the time, we were up front. Because I was a, I'm a huge Anthrax fan, and uh, uh, was lucky enough to get up front, and it was just, it was way too much. It was way because, you know, one or both of us were going to be, you know, put in hospital, because it was just insane. And then we got, we ended up moving uh, to the back and to the side, and I got some great pictures of of everybody in Anthrax. But, but you know, it's, I wasn't mad. But, you know, it was, they were having a hell of a lot more fun than I was physically capable of doing at the time, you know, and, and that's just, that's just kind of the way it goes, you know, but if you're, if you're purposefully going to these shows to ruin it for fans, then yeah, you're, you're a miserable prick and you need to be curb stomped. Yeah. I remember, oh my God, what year would it have been? I went and saw Megadeth and Exodus in the center of the arts. Oh yeah. Yeah. That and was a great show. Was it, was, it was amazing. I went with my one metal friend, Shami, who's been on the podcast too. Right. And I still keep in touch with him cause it's that metal thing. Right. Yeah. Like we're, we're both like old thrash fans. Right. So we always talk about the same kind of bands and when those like the classic eighties thrash guys come around, yeah. we go. And like, um, when I went and saw Metallica every time, I made sure that I took a different person with me every time. Oh, nice. Was, yeah. So like of the six times I've gone, it's been a different person with me that I'm like, hey, let's do this. Hey, let's do this. So like, so my friend Shami, I'm like, I have a ticket for Winnipeg. Let's go. And like, yeah. we literally like worked our shift, I think, at the state for 80s night. Oh, nice. And then got in the car and like went to Winnipeg to get ready for the concert or whatever. Right. So yeah. like, and then drive back then like right after the oh, concert's yeah. over too. Right. So it's like. That's a long drive after a concert. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's just, it's super fun. And it's just, yeah, it's about having the right people around you. Right. Because then like for part of it for me was like showing people what I loved because just that band was the end all be all for me for a long time right and it's just yeah but um oh yeah my story about the center of the arts I felt like that Megadeth thing was in too tight of a room right and there was this one giant muscle bound dude and he purposely (laughs) went right into the tornado of the mosh pit just to knock little kids down yeah and and so yeah I I don't I don't get and I think he threw that. someone's shoe that fell off up into the rafters, like, and it's like, I don't get into that because the thrash part's not my thing, right? Yeah. Like, or the yeah. mosh pit isn't yeah. my thing, right? I like to sit back, and like, especially with someone like Dave, because he just has this like this stage presence, right? And I just yeah. like to sit, watch him do his yeah. shtick, go, right? Yeah. But there's always like that that guy. Yeah, that yeah. There's there's always going to be that guy. It's or those those guys or those girls, I guess nowadays but you know it's 
you, you can't you can't stop those people from coming and and you're you're hopeful that that the people that are doing the show have security watching those guys and and, and you know like uh, it would be nice it would be nice if they you know got them the fuck out of there but it it happens it they end up staying and, and you know making people miserable more often than than they they actually get booted out yeah right? but yeah that that kind of that kind of sucks but you're right about you know it, the company like going to a show with the right people really really enhances it you know i'm uh just recently when slayer on their quote unquote farewell tour uh, me and me and Brad uh, Schlamp went to uh, see them in Winnipeg, and it was a fantastic show. And we met a couple of his friends afterwards, uh, actually one of his friends afterwards, and he had brought a guy who it was. Now get this, Slayer uh, was his second rock show ever, and uh, he was he had the personality of wet cardboard. And I thought that must have been boring. <laughs> sitting and watching Slayer. I mean, me and Brad, you know, we're, well, I'm 48 and he's in his early 40s and we're, we're, we're all around the same age. We're thrashing away and we're having a great time and we were sitting having drinks with these, these two uh, chuckleheads afterwards and all I could think was, good God, like, you guys must have just stood there with your hands in your pockets the entire time from, from what I, it sounded like and I, all I looked at Brad and I just, I kind of rolled my eyes because I thought, you know, we had a great time. We were thrashing. We were having a good time catching picks. We got the set. We got Kerry King's set list. It was awesome. And then these two guys were like, kind of like, oh, well, you know, it was kind of like going to a, a movie that they had already seen. And I was... <laughs> Yeah, it was odd, and, and we're like, oh my god, that was... An- can we leave a little early so we can get to the parking lot first? <laughs> no shit. That's kind of the way it felt, and I was... I, I thought, you know, never never would I think of taking somebody, like, a, kind of like a stick in the mud, right? And, I, and I'm sure they're nice guys and all, but just listening to them talk, I thought, you have no idea what you guys just saw, do you? You, it, you have no frame of reference. You don't understand who Slayer is, what Slayer is, and what they mean to, you know, just about, well, just about everybody in the building. It was, it was, it was odd. And he was like, oh, yeah, that was pretty good. Oh, man, no, it wasn't. It was fucking awesome. That was awesome. Guy had a guitar. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know, man. Yeah, and it's like, there were the differences. Like when I said I took my one friend to Winnipeg, that would have been the 03, so probably the St. Anger Tour. Oh, and um, they still played the ones I wanted to hear, right? And, the, and, it's, was, and in the end, it's... was the snare drum? <laughs> oh, wow. But that's the same... Well, I remember the insane outrage with Injustice for All, like... Which made no sense to me. It was still... Like, listen, I'm not an audio engineer. I... If it sounds... If it sounds good, I'll... I will accept it that that's what they meant to do. Right, you know, and and you know, injustice for all. Yes, uh, uh, you know, looking back now, that that Jason Newstead didn't get remotely the amount of credit, or you know, his performance was recorded so poorly, or or it was, what was that so like, bad. Like, I haven't listened to that. That's yeah. That's I don't listen to that one as much. I don't know why. 
um, but it's not on my like frequent playback for Metallica. Right? Like, I don't know. Is that the case that they just like turn down? The well, bass? yeah. It it's the well. It there's a rumor, if I'm not mistaken, that that they didn't actually even use his recorded bass tracks. And I don't know if that's true. I mean, there's so much bullshit out there that, but uh, it's the bass tracks are really low in the mix. And somebody years ago had uh, uh, went on uh, and remixed the album, but they had like just on their own, like you know, but kind brought of, the bass and up. brought the bass up, and it's a significantly better better audio experience. But at the time, that's you know, in Justice for All, that's the way it sounded, and if I and hearing it hearing it uh, uh, with the bass corrected, I guess for lack of a better word. It doesn't sound right to me because it—it's not how. Because you listen to the hell out of it the first. Yeah, yeah, and and it's not that it's you know, it's not that it's wrong. It's just that's the way it that's the way it was. You know, you could say the same thing for a lot of early black metal stuff, where there is no bass whatsoever, like it's it's purposefully recorded, like they had went into a bathroom and just mic'd up all the instruments and just played it there <laughs> some of the stuff sounds really raw but that is that's the intent so if you you know you can go and probably grab some old Bathory album and and remix it and it won't have that same feel because that's not how it was originally intended on on sounding and I get that and you know going back to Saint Anger you know, I think I think the the thing that that really uh, bothered people is it felt like they didn't try. Like you've got you've got like you know f- five albums that are you know ingrained like like without question like just about every person that listens to heavy metal either owns or has listened to multiple times those first those first uh, Metallica albums and then they they put out like you know three albums in a row that you kind of just went huh and you know they if they if they were labeled any other band uh they might be good albums but saint anger stood out like these guys you know and, and of course they were going through i don't think a, james head was like uh, yeah they're going through fucking a nightmare right but you know there are a lot of musicians that don't have you know the right headspace most of the time and they're still creative and productive and can put out great albums but you know I don't know I don't know it's it's the one of the only albums that I, I ever threw out it's one of the only albums I like I, I bought it listened to it I gave it a chance I didn't like it I threw it out redeeming songs off there some kind of monster I don't mind um but yeah, other than that, like, and when you watch the documentary, like, I don't know if you ever watched Yo, some oh, kind yeah. of monster and like, yeah. I think it becomes very clear. It's like all of a sudden everyone's sharing the writing duties and they have a psychologist on site, yeah. a sports psychologist on site 24 seven. And you can see like James is not there. Yeah. Like he's just not there at all in any frame of mind. Kirk, I think, is frustrated as fuck through that entire endeavor because he's the he's Switzerland in this whole thing, yeah. right? He wants to come make music. 
And all of a sudden then it's like, I don't know where the executive decision was that that album does not have a guitar solo on it when you have Kirk Hammett in your band. Yeah, one of the top 10 guitarists on the planet. And then you, I just, I've learned to slowly despise Lars Ulrich as time has gone on. I just, I don't know why I blame him for a lot of the, any downfalls in the band. Yeah. And just, I don't know, like... I don't know why I have James still on such a pedestal as this like icon of heavy metal and I always feel like like did you ever watch the old Warner Brother cartoons where there was the pit bull walking down the yep. street and there was the little yippy dog Spike. bounce? Yeah. Yeah. Spike. To me and, that was James and Lars. Yeah. In my head. Yep. Constantly, right? Like yeah. they had the revolving door of bassist and I was waiting for the revolving door of drummer. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I don't but I don't understand why why that band had such problems. You know, you look at you you look at bands like Pink Floyd, right? Who you know famously, Roger Waters uh, uh, was, you know, a bit of a I don't know. He's kind of kind of cast as a bit of a tyrant, and and not a lot of them got along. But like I'm a huge prog, and and I'm a I'm a massive Pink Floyd fan. But you look at some of the stuff that that they they created, it's it's fucking amazing, and they couldn't stand each other, and so I I think I think they're you know musicians nowadays don't have that sort of mindset that you know what let's put the art first and worry about worry about the personality I don't have you know it's it's like I say when when uh, you're you're working with someone that you don't get along with right I you don't I'm not being paid to be friends with people here but I'll still work with them and and try to to, to do a good job and and be respectful of you yeah but I'm not going to ask you over to the house for a beer or, or for a barbecue or, you know, or go, I want to go out for coffee on the weekend. Breaking that barrier was a great moment in my life. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, and, and so when you, you see bands implode now, and I think it happens more often than, than we realize, you know, I, I think there's that, there, there's that key element that, you know, we, we're we create together and you know you should be able to you, you should be able to either uh put that aside or uh for the sake of your your music or harness it for the sake of your music you know um and and even bands like kiss you know there's you hear that 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 uh, uh paul and gene are are you know they don't really like each other, but they've got one of the most recognizable uh, musical brands on the planet, and and so what makes what makes them continue? I would say they invented branding, as far as well, music went. Well, yeah, you know, and I know a lot of people. Uh, my wife is like just can't stand Gene Simmons, but I think Gene Simmons. You know, I don't have to like everything that someone someone does to admire the fact that he is a shrewd businessman. You Even know, the for, first band that had action figures for yeah, and and comic books and lunchboxes and, and cartoons and, yeah. and yeah, and and so like the the glut. When I start talking about music, I I always say that you know you're never gonna have bands like 
Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and and Pink Floyd and Rush and and those types of uh, those caliber of bands ever again. You just you won't, you know, and uh, because music at that time it wasn't a commodity, like now it's a commodity. Oh yeah, you know, and and you know bands like Led Zeppelin, they, you know, you're you're the biggest band on the planet. And you can pretty much do whatever you want. You're you're given carte blanche by the record company to create, and you go out and you do that. You don't go. Eh, I'm gonna phone it in because I, you know, I can do that, and I'd rather go and and uh, uh, do commercials for my spawn. Like, you know that it makes me sad. There there is a lot of great music out there, but you have to really work hard to to kind of get past the veneer of what you're being told is good like i listen to i listen to bands that that people just can't stand but i like them for my own reasons right you know uh, and that's really that's really the the crux of it my it's my music like i it's my relationship with me like i don't force my music on anybody i don't uh, even though it is, you know, heavy metal and hard rock is, you know, greatest musical genre ever created by man or beast. But, <laughs> but it, it, to me, to me that, it, and I, I don't need to argue it to anybody because that's, that's what I feel. You know, I love what I love and I hate what I hate. And uh, I, I find now that like I, I gravitate towards older bands because they have that that sort of that spark that fire still whereas you know uh and i'm going to be crucified for saying it but i think a lot of bands now are they're unoriginal and you know they they don't do anything that kind of i don't want to say appeals to me but but some that makes me stop and go holy shit that's absolutely amazing it's a it's a rare beast that does that nowadays for me, and that's why I've I for the most part I don't I don't go out and actively seek new bands. I mean I've got like close to four thousand albums that you know, and and even more in cassette and record and that I can listen to. I've got more music than I can listen to in another lifetime, and so I'd rather enjoy that than oh what's the new what's the new next big thing. I don't chase that thing anymore right do you think it's hard for a new band coming in if it's all been done yeah yeah because you have to you have to ace you know separate yourself from everything else that's gone before a lot of times you have to have uh, a gimmick i mean because how else are you going to get you know get exposed uh and those those tried and true formulas uh they're they used to work but they don't they don't really work anymore like i i i really don't need to hear another death metal band i i kind of don't you know i've got my my core death metal bands that i go to and it's tough it's tough for a lot of uh young bands to to go out there and do something that's different unless they have you know something you know i i find in europe um now that that there's uh a a move towards having a good-looking female be your vocalist 
whether she be a death metal vocalist or a clean singing vocalist or you know an uh, operatically trained vocalist but you have to have something that appeal i mean the the rest of the band can be fantastic uh musicians and they could have you know uh, uh you know a great demo but they have to in order for them to to sort of get recognized or or anybody to stand behind them they have to stand out uh, uh, in some way that people are going to want to champion them and I think that's pretty that's pretty tough it's pretty tough and and I mean if you want to hear s- different kinds of music listen to progressive music I mean Prague has oh there is some crazy crazy shit being created in, in uh, uh, the Prague world but it's not it's not easily accessible like it's very very demanding you know but i don't know i i feel for a lot of young bands uh because they they have to go and they they do those shitty little cross canada or across the states tours and they hardly make any money off of it and they they only make money off of merch like shirts and cds and whatnot and patches that they sell and they, you know, travel around in these horrible little vans, and you know, and touring f- in Canada is way worse in the winter too, right? Like, oh my god, yeah. You know, I remember my <laughs> one of my favorite, probably my favorite death metal band of all time, a, a Swedish band called Hypocrisy, and uh, uh, our our friend uh, uh, Zandra, she managed to book them uh, for a. Uh, a tour that they were doing of, of, you know, I don't want to say North America because North America is usually about 10 dates in the States and one in Canada. And that's what they call a North American <laughs> tour. Uh, but it was in February and, <laughs> and it was, uh, it was a, a, uh, almost a sold out show. Hypocrisy just crushed. Um, I got to interview and, and meet the band. I was there. They're like sort of my, my Swedish death metal heroes. And it was really sad because, you know, we, uh, uh, Zandra uh, uh, had, had put the show on and we were helping, helping uh, uh, get set, get set things up and tear stuff down. And so we, we kind of hung out with the band afterwards and one of their uh, vehicles. So you had, you had the main band and two opening bands and their crew the headliner was hypocrisy and I can't remember the, the other two it doesn't matter because it was hypocrisy I got to see them that's all that matters. <laughs> but one of their traveling vehicles broke down in Winnipeg so you had three bands their crew their tour manager and like any anybody that was on the tour crammed into one Winnebago one it was probably about 18 people so standing room only almost. Stand, yeah. And so it's February in they're they're driving into Calgary into a blizzard. And I'm seeing, you know, uh, Peter Tackerin, one of my musical heroes, you know, sitting on this little kind of dinky wooden side bench and uh, you know, handing him the, the, the leftover plate of food because fuck, that's what they live on, right? That's road food. And you know, we're not going to throw it out. We're going to give it to them. And, and you're seeing them all cramped in this little thing. And, and, and it, it, it had to have been about 20 below while we were, and it's not, that's not too terribly cold, but you know, 
they're driving into a blizzard and and I'm thinking that's road life and that's one of that's you know that's one of my heroes and he's a he's a human being that's going to have a miserable you know probably an 8 hour drive to Calgary and then I think they played in Edmonton the following night and so you know I you have to applaud bands for trying to do to do that and even ones that even ones that uh, are success are you know from from our standards are successful. A lot of their unless they're absolute gigantic superstars, road life is shit. You know they they eat their they eat the food for the most part. Uh, uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, they're given a a kind of a, a food a, a food meal budget. per diem, yeah, right? But, but sometimes. They're they're given like coupons for like you know fast food, so they eat a lot of garbage food, mm-hmm. and and I know you know when when we help out uh, and it hasn't happened in a while, but you know you try and make good food for them to eat because you want them to be happy and you want them to be you know uh, do well on stage and and a lot of these places, well yeah they they have fifteen bucks. They give them 15 bucks and they point to the McDonald's. That's the only thing. Well, shit, imagine, you know, remember me talking about eating, loving pizza and having to eat it every day? Well, imagine if that was your life. You got to eat that kind of food for an entire tour and perform, you know, and and like it's it, it's stunning to me that people would want to do that. Like that's got to that's got to suck even for even for huge bands, right? I don't know, and and I think you know those young bands that are hungry and uh, hungry in the musical sense, not hungry in the food sense. <laughs> Maybe a little both. Yeah, <laughs> probably. But you know, they they really want this is their life, and they want to they want to live their dream. It's got to be tough when you don't see light at the end of the tunnel. You know, uh, looking back at at old show flyers, and you go, "Geez, I wonder whatever happened to this band? Like you know, a little support band that you'd never heard of before, but they were really good." And yeah, they they disappeared off the face of the planet because they couldn't they couldn't make a go of it, or they weren't they didn't have that it thing, you know, that that set them apart. And you know, I I again, I applaud those those you know young kids and those bands that 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 try but i i think the uh the reality is much different than the dream you oh know? for sure and i'm not saying like and what's nev- the percentage of success oh god i don't know it it can't it can't be much it can't be high it can't be you know and, and what do you define as success like i i think you know uh as you know i'm the worst guitarist on the planet. Like I, I'm I'll ter- go downstairs and get mine and show you. I'm, t- I'm terrible. We'll have a, we'll have a playoff to see who's worse. But we'll play I, the others because mine's left. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what it's like to to uh, tour or record or write or anything like that. So I'm just going by what I see and what I've heard by talking to countless bands over the years. That you know it's it's got to be tough, but you're the only thing that's, you know, it's your spirit and your perseverance and your drive that, that, that keeps a lot of these bands going. And, you know, I don't think, I think maybe 10, 10% are successful in a way where they are good enough to do a tour 
record an album and maybe make a, a, a little bit of money. And by a little bit of money, you know, that's where I, I would say somebody pays you 50 bucks, uh, uh, you know, for each person in your band and you don't have to immediately turn around and give that to somebody. Yeah. That's what I would, I would say, you know, being successful in a, in a band nowadays is because like I said, you know, you're never going to have the Pink Floyds or the Led Zeppelins or the Queens or, you know, uh, uh, Iron Maidens or Judas Priests. Those, those days are long, long gone. Long Who's gone. the number one touring like stadium band in the world right now? I wouldn't even. The, the number one touring? Like who's like of modern bands, which I could not name one, like. I don't even like know. Well, I'd, I'd say I'd say money wise, like like revenue generated is probably either uh, Guns and Roses, just just because of the nature of their reunion and the shows and, and the the huge huge arena shows. Like I think, was, what did I hear? There were two million dollars a show that that tour that they came in and and played here uh, in Regina last was it last summer. One or two. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know. I didn't go. You know, I was I was lucky that I got to see them in their heyday during their first Canadian tour in Saskatoon. I yeah, I was three. Like sheep. Appetite or Appetite for Destruction. Nice. I'm actually the first person in Regina to ever own Appetite for Destruction. I think I remember you telling me this too. Yeah. Once. So there was a there was a uh, a top forty records in Victoria Square Mall, uh, way back in the day, and I worked at Mark's Work Warehouse, and when that album was released, I was kind of trying to schmooze the the one of the girls that worked at the radio at the re, uh, record store, and I knew that Guns N' Roses was coming out because there there was a, quite a huge campaign. Uh, uh, beforehand and uh, uh, I was trying to schmooze her and I was there when she was opening the box and pricing them now this was the day before it was released and I convinced her to sell me one you just cost someone their job (laughs) (laughs) top 40 went out of business years ago I don't even remember whatever happened to that girl but yeah, I got it. I got it a day before everybody else in Regina, and I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. It's probably one of the most iconic intro songs to an album, though, right? Like, well, yeah, you know, but I, but see, that's and just to hear his voice that first time, like, but again, that you had never heard anything like that. That's that that Sunset Strip sleaze rock. Like I call it sleaze rock because it was it was dirty and it was ugly, but it had that finesse to it, you know. And but that that is what set them apart. They're and and you know like any uh, like any big thing, you know. Uh, it was funny because Eddie Trunk was just talking about this uh, on uh, uh, his show on uh, Sirius XM FM or whatever. And that when a when a band, huge band hits, then re, uh, record companies used to just even if you looked the part, they could have been they could have been terrible musicians, but uh, uh, they would sign anybody just to jump on that wave of popularity, 
And so after Guns N' Roses, you had a slew of copycat bands. Same with Nirvana. I was going to say Seattle Spit. probably didn't have one unemployed musician in the 90s. But but you you had and I I there's two things I hate in music. Rap and Nirvana. And not Nirvana for the, or and, the grunge movement in no, general. No, just just Nirvana. Just Nirvana. You've you've heard me say bef- yeah. you've heard me say before that the the best thing that Kurt Cobain ever uh, did in his life was learn how to use a shotgun properly. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I hate remember. I hate I love Dave Grohl but I hated Nirvana. I hated Nirvana because they they you know remember I was talking about not caring about your music. You know that they uh, uh, and I'm not saying this about Seattle the Seattle grunge or you know the uh, that movement at all because I'm I love Soundgarden I love Alice in Chains uh, I used to like Pearl Jam quite a lot but I I haven't I kind of lost track with that band but you know it was this lazy sort of oh, we hate everything so who cares sort of attitude and they made money off of that and that surprised me and you know anyway getting back to my original thought that that you know with Guns N' Roses when they came out no one had ever seen or heard anything like them and they just took the world by storm they were they were it man like they were it and you get that slew of copycat bands and then that slowly fades away and you know I, I find it so amazing that for all the people who can't stand Axl Rose uh, and all the people who said that they were never ever going to be able to get together again I was one of them because it was my understanding that that Slash and Duff and Axl Rose all hated each other and they you know they they the original drummer uh, was a a heroin fiend uh, at the time and probably still is it was surprising to me that they managed to get together to pull off this huge tour and now they're talking like they're going to be recording. Like that's that's money heals awesome. all wounds. But um. but you know, if it was a shitty tour, people would have heard pretty quick and not bothered. I think everyone involved in that equation would have been fine no matter what. I think the the defining thing is could Axel pull his shit together, right? Like because, like, I only heard Chinese Democracy for one listen-through, and I hated it. Yeah. And that was the end of it. I listened to it driving to Edmonton to go see a Metallica concert. <laughs> probably but, not the probably not the best way to do it. But, no. But, no, like, but, you know, it's, it's surprising to me that they were able to pull it off. But then the cynic in me, like, I'm the perpetual cynic. I go, I wonder if they had that planned all along. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like there's there there really wasn't any sort of uh, uh I don't know like that that YouTube famous uh uh video where the two guys beat the hell out of each other and they they swear they're never going to talk again. Y- you there wasn't there wasn't any of that. It was all, oh, you know, they can't get along and Axel Axel doesn't know what he's doing and he wants this and you know none of that's really been proven or or you know sort of legitimized by any sort of uh third party uh uh uh, uh witnesses right it, it was all hearsay and so i start to wonder if like you know 
maybe this was part of that plan that yeah you know, how convenient that it's it was the anniversary of appetite for destruction was it was it this week or last week or it's in this area yeah yeah, yeah. and so you kind of go well that's pretty convenient that they were able to uh, uh, you know ride that and and this is again this is me being a, a total cynic and just saying well maybe they waited until the time was right when the, all the stars aligned and they went yeah okay now all those old bands are because music is cyclical yeah. right music is cyclical and and all those old bands are, are touring and being famous again let's let's do it I I you know, lots of people have put hatred aside though, because David Lee Roth got back together with um, Eddie and Alex with Van Halen. Yeah, but it was their 40th anniversary of of being a band uh, this year, and they didn't do anything. They didn't even go to their own Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, though. That's fucked. Like Hagar showed up, yeah. and um, why can't I think of his name? Alex, the bassist. Yeah, not Alex. Is it Alex? Everybody forgets the bassist's name. Poor guy. But yeah, he still tours with Hagar on yeah. all of his projects, right? Yeah. So like, but Cabo I heard that, and Yeah, but I heard they went back and removed him from all the online art for all the albums. Really? Yeah. And stuck in Wolfgang. Oh my God, you're kidding me. They're mad at him. Like, there's a division there, right? And it's like, it's the brothers and there's Hagar and the bassist. I'm going to hate myself forever. Leonardo DiCaprio. He was not a good bassist. No? Okay. (laughs) That's going to bug me. Eddie and Alex, and we're going to Google it. Oh, no, don't Google it. It's more fun to remember. You know, my wife and I were talking about this. You know, you, you, before Google, before the interweebs, you had to remember stuff, (laughs) right? I don't like remembering. Brain's turning into a potato. Uh, But yeah, like, but it's the thing, right? And like... Some of them I feel it is like 100% money driven, right? Like the Van, oh, the Van Halen oh, thing to me yes. reeks of money because oh, they're yeah. not doing new stuff. But like, and I've told you this over the last few years, like when Faith No More reunited in 2009, I I loved it. And, I, and they even admitted like in 1997 when they broke up after doing Album of the Year, they were like, this album's not good. We do not make good music together. Let's just call it a day. Okay, but you know that... That that story, that anecdote speaks to the whole Metallica thing too. If 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 we aren't performing to the best, and and I think that's a sign of, of very mature artists. I mean that that sounds very c- condescending, but but I think that's a good sign when when you can go, holy crap, this is not good at all. Because I heard them calling it album of the year was cynical. Yeah. Because they didn't like what they made. Yeah, and and you know that's that's a uh, that's a contractual obligation. Here, this is what we got for you. That's you know you you appease the record company, and instead of flogging a a a dead horse, you just say let's go our separate ways, and you know and they came back together, and it was awesome, right? Like I watched their one show, I watched a few of their shows, but that initial. What's the festival that's in England? Um, Glastonbury, Bloodstock, Download, Download. Um, they got. I don't. I don't know if Download threw them the most money or if the timing was right or what it was, right? But it was in that 
period of like a lot of the old school bands reuniting yeah and in the middle of it faith no more came back at download festival 09 and i don't know i must have been just clicking through like nostalgia stuff on youtube yeah. while working right and then yeah. i found oh crap they're back together clicked on it and just i rediscovered Patton, who now i listen to so much of his stuff right and they were just the concerts were just on and you could yeah. tell that they were having fun with it and loving what they were doing yeah and they made a new album together which i enjoy the majority of it right because they're a very diverse band so i didn't have this like yep. stone cold expectation of yep. like and i think remember we talked about load and reload it's so funny i love faith no more for the diversity in their music and I despised Load and Reload because it was Metallica being diverse and I wanted one specific thing out of them. Yeah, but, you know, that's 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 the ACDC uh, uh, conundrum. <laughs> yeah. It really is. AC, like, ACDC, if they don't put out an album that sounds like ACDC, people are going to have brain aneurysms and, and fucking hate it. But that... They're fine with it. They're... That... You know, those folks, those folks don't want to be listening to a Yes album. You know, I don't know if you ever listened to Yes. I know. Or or Rush, you know, like they're, you know, technically complex and the, uh, uh, the, the music is, is very progressive and is not for every, and, and it's not, it's not me sounding like a musical elitist. It's just that. I I have an affinity for that type of stuff, but I can also dial it back and go, yeah, play Jailbreak by ACDC, you know, which to me is you know the uh, a a landmark ACDC uh, song. I I love I love ACDC because it's you know exactly what you're gonna get. You're gonna get a hook filled, you know, riff driven hard rock the rhythm song. comes out of the guitars yeah. yeah and you know what they that you play to your strengths if they were to suddenly uh stop and and uh, uh and do oh what would be a good example of like the antithesis of acdc if they were to stop and do a huge refrain in the middle of a hard rock song like led zeppelin used to do people would be like don't you don't need to do that to to, to make us love you give us a a riff and a hook and fucking give her you know just send it and that's and that's what people want from ACDC right and that's good enough and Jesus one of the few bands that can do it and do the same thing over and over and over again and people go uh yeah good that's what we want right I, I think I you've proven yourself over the last you know 45 years or whatever that they've been going probably longer than that 40 probably close to 50 what was years. the first flying the wall flick of the switch i can't even remember right now the the very first acdc dirty deeds oh god no, no i feel no, terrible dirty deeds but you know those that's the type of stuff that people love from them you know uh it, it would be and, and you may not get this reference but for, for me, Saxon, I want them to do a Saxon album. It has to sound like British heavy metal for me. It has to. I don't want them I don't want them doing a 
a trying to do a death metal album or trying to do a uh, a sleazy hard rock album. You know, they 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 don't need to do that. Uh, but I bet you there's a lot of bands that wish that they they could they were identified with a formula and they could play it over and over and just, you know, fine tune it and change it slightly. But, you know, there's only there's only ever going to be one ACDC. Well, mind you, there's a couple ACDC clones. There are? Because I was, was going to say, will anyone ever have the balls to just emulate that? Well, there's... Without just being called down? There's an ace... There's, an, there's a band from Australia and the name is escaping me and the next time we do this, hopefully we can do this podcast again, I will reference that band. But there are a couple Aussie bands that sound... A lot like Bon Scott era ACDC. And it's fucking fantastic. Like, that shit's awesome. But, you know, those... The love of those bands... Uh, uh, there For a few years there, there was sort of that stripped-down retro hard rock. Just a, a driving, driving uh, rhythm uh, guitar and a hook uh, put over top of it. And, you know, kind of, you know, the, the, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll type of stuff. And oddly enough, some of that stuff come, was coming out of Sweden. There's a band called Bullet that that sounds a lot like an ACDC clone. Hmm. And they're just young guys, you know, driving hard rock. And But it appeals to people, right? Arena rock is still, it's just, it's feel good, right? Like, it's like, I've got my beer... That song's playing. It's a rocking good time. It's loud, but but the the folks that you know you, you did you go to uh, Bon Jovi when they were here? Like I'm a Bon Jovi fan. You know, oh, I bring would run the on hate. the stage I, and punch him in the mouth. I love Bon Jovi. I absolutely I, gr- I grew up listening to <laughs> Bon Bon Jovi. You know, I do. Like, don't love- get me wrong. I had Slippery When Wet. Slippery When Wet. Yeah. Yeah, and I and New Jersey. Yeah. Everyone, you're a liar if you're my agent did not own those albums. Yeah, and and you know what? And I, you own Thriller too. So <laughs> <laughs> I do not own Thriller, but that's neither here nor there. But you know the those those types of bands, you go to those concerts and you look around and they're old. Like we're not young kids anymore, man. You know, like I'm gonna be fifty in a couple years, and I know I don't look it, but you know those types of experiences. Like, I, I didn't go to the Eagles when they played here because I hear the Eagles every day on the radio. Yeah, and, fair enough. And, you know, my my experience with the Eagles seeing them live, they don't look like a very energetic band. Somebody was telling me that they didn't even introduce them. They just kind of came on stage and started playing. And that, Wait, those aren't roadies? That, that's kind of <laughs> odd, right? Like, like that's that's weird to me, but... You know, I, I, I guess you know that the, those those days of arena rock, uh, um, for for North American audiences, are pretty tame. You know, like there was a big deal, like oh, you know, you, you don't want people standing up, and 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 bothering like the 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 people that just want to sit and enjoy the music. That shit don't fly in Europe, man. It doesn't, because I saw White Snake. Uh, in 2016 uh, in at in Germany and the entire place old people and all that were there to see the older bands were 
we're partying. Ripping up a storm. Nice. Yeah. And it just, it really goes to show you that, that North American audiences, for the most part, have a stick up their ass. They, you know. Well, we were the Puritans that came over, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But. Like but, the stick in the ass came over on the boat. <laughs> on the boat. But, you know, I. We, we have such a. We're reserved. Yeah, but why? Why are know. we reserved? You're, some Like when I said I took some friends to Metallica concerts, and I won't call them out, but they know who they are. They stood there and just looked. And, and you know, that's... You know, I don't... That's not me. Like, I want to go... Uh, you know, I, I'm... I stand up and I'm, I'm I don't want to say f- dancing but you know you're having a good time and you're enjoying the music and and that's the way it is like in in Europe the, the the festival like you're having you can't you can't help but not have a good time when you're surrounded by by you know like 30 40,000 fans all watching David Coverdale and Whitesnake you know that was fantastic. I I'm a huge White Snake fan, and to get to see them, uh, and it not be in a shitty Regina venue, was was fantastic. You know I I absolutely loved. It. I should have worn my White Snake shirt. I still remember the look of disdain on your face when I said whacking because I'm from a small town and I don't know any no, better. Dude, <laughs> dude, who you cares? Were, you were quick to say Valken right after, and I'm like, oh right, Europe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Germany. Does it is it sound uh, like I'm, I'm going to be honest with you? I, I kind of debated what I was going to wear for they, a metal shirt. They can't see you. I know. Isn't that <laughs> stupid? But I had to be comfortable. This is my armor, man. You know, this is my. And I appreciated it my, when we worked together because like, it would geez. be like, let's go upstairs and see what grotesque T-shirt that Terry has on with the skulls and devils, and because like before you showed up. I probably had the most like occasionally like offensive like office clothing, right? <laughs> and it was like the occasional like Metallica tour shirt, like push head stuff, right? Yep. Like the classic because I love I loved his poster art of the eighties and nineties, right? Yeah. And when they went away from him, I was a little sad. But like you could only do so much. And then when they brought him back around for like the more modern tours, yep. and he's on all the shirts again, yep. I'm like. Those are super cool. But yeah, like I would have just like your generic like like I went to heaven and hell, so I have a Megadeth shirt or like Yeah, but you're wearing that's you're wearing your colors. That's like uh, as long as you're listening to the band, I'm not going to And and that's metalheads do that, right? Like you'll you'll see a guy and you'll be like, "Ah, good shirt. That's an awesome shirt." I've like, said that to lots of people walking by them. Yeah. yeah. And and that's that's one of the things uh you know, my wife and I were shopping in where were we? We were in Edmonton. I think it was West Edmonton Mall. And she's clothes shopping in a in a, a a woman's boutique and a lady's boutique. And I'm, you know, kind of I'm wandering around with her and blah blah blah. And I see a I see another guy, another couple, and the guy's wearing a septic flesh shirt. You know, and I I, I I'm duty bound to go over and go, hey man, awesome, I love septic flesh. That's a great shirt. And you just but that's that's what metalheads do, right? You know, you can see. You, you go to a show uh, uh, and, you know, there's rules about what you wear and what you don't wear at a rock show. Uh, but, you know, you go you go to Wacken, Germany, and those rules are out. You wear whatever you want. Who, nobody cares. But I, you can't help but, like, you, you make that, 
that that uh, 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 unspoken bond. You see a guy and you go, you you look at him and you point and you go, yeah, fucking a. You could be you know twenty feet away, but he recognizes that you know you are you are you know pledging allegiance to that shirt that band that he's wearing. It, it's uh, and you know do do rap uh, rap rap rapists is that what they're called? Rapists do that with their. You know, I see people wearing a two-pack shirt, and I um, think, you know he's dead, right? The only... I don't know. I, I hate The that. only... And it's funny, because I'm in the middle of trying to design a t-shirt right now. Because, Are you? Yeah. Um, For... I've set up a... I guess now this will be my time to talk about it. Um, I've set up a Patreon for sponsorship. Um, I set the tiers as low as you can go. $5 a month, $10 a month. And... Um, okay, so so explain... Okay, now... now pardon my ignorance I don't really understand what what Patreon it's pretty much like Patreon is pretty much like people who like what I'm doing it's pretty much the public if they like content they call it it's pretty much funding for content creators whether you're an artist a singer a podcaster you create content that you push out onto the internet now and people can find you through Patreon and then you set the tiers, you set goals, you set everything, right? So I put it at, if you give me five bucks a month, I'll say your name online. And I set that up a while ago. I've just been a total coward and never brought it up. So thank you. And then for the $10 you're, you're one, welcome. for $10 a month, I was like, I will design a shirt and you will get one for this podcast. And it's so funny that you're talking about rap shirts because um, the shirt that I finally, like you've seen my logo, it just says PK and XP yep. underneath it, right? And I'm surprised no one, I've never found anyone else who uses like the video game XP abbreviation vi- vi- for to say experience. You though. mean role playing? Yes. Role playing games. And video games too have the odd oh, XP. Yeah. But yeah, I like, guess they, I, they probably do. But <laughs> it's a nerd term, right? Like well, yeah. XP. Where's my yeah. XP, right? Yeah. And so like I was pretty proud of myself when I came up with just this simple like four letters PKXP. It's yeah, the, it's, it's, it's my it experience, was right? It was very good. I, I quite like um, it. And it's simple, it's clean. But, like, the first shirt I'm designing is pretty much a takeoff of the original Run DMC logo. So it's a red bar. Who? See, now you're just being mean. Um, <laughs> but um, what did they walk this way? <laughs> oh, the, 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 the little group that Aerosmith uh, brought along. I Made famous. <clears throat> I'll, I've owned one rap album. Bring, bring me. Licensed to ill. And I will defend the Beastie Boys. Oh, okay, Beastie Boys. Yeah, all right. I I, I wore that thing. Okay, so out. Be- Beastie Boys get some metal cred because uh, "Fight for Your Right uh, to uh, Party" the the solos by Carrie King from Slayer. So I'll give them that. Okay, we have some beating ground here. So yeah, so then so I'm like I need to design a shirt and like in the future I want to do more like metal looking things, right? Like maybe a that's sp- the right thing to do like a skull but try and work the p the k the x and the p like into the artwork right but like i can't draw so but i can fiddle on like paint or whatever whatever program i have on my computer so i found the run dmc logo and i changed the but it's so it's that red bar p k x p and white and the red bar again it looks just like the run dmc logo i can't sell the shirt to make money because in some way if i ever become something with this I'll get my pants suit off because they legitimately own that like look and that font, and um, but I can give them away as like gifts, right? So like consolation prizes. Yeah, 
something to cry into when you realize you gave me ten dollars a month right so yeah like so and i'm glad you brought up because yeah that's this is like i've things have really been taken off with this in a really strange way right that's awesome um and i i'm glad that you brought that up also this whole endeavor was brought about by me finding jordan peterson on joe rogan's podcast i was really digging the podcast thing and i was really floundering with like my life after the divorce and um so i started doing things that i did when before i got married in my 20s and it was like i bought a whole bunch of video games on steam and i'm like i'll just start playing games again still felt empty yeah picked up wow again got into that decently or whatever but now that's kind of gone sour and i was like what do i enjoy what do I? and he came on rogan's podcast and he's like the reason everybody's so sad or like upset or depressed or anxious right now and like i think you said you were up late listening to a lot of his stuff yeah. after i kind of yeah. pointed you in that direction and like his thing is like nobody strives for anything anymore and he's like pick something it can change over time like it doesn't have to be your end yeah. goal goal in life but he's like pick something put effort into it see what becomes of it because most people nowadays are too lazy to put effort into things anymore and so i was like what do i enjoy and i'm like i've actually really enjoyed listening to rogan and i do enjoy sitting with friends right and i've brought people onto this show wait wait a second you you consider me your friend always and forever thanks Thanks, buddy that's nice and (laughs) but i brought people on here that i was friends with 25 years ago and we had a falling out over stupid shit holy shit really yeah the one with my friend nathan he came over one day and i was like playing nhl like 97 and he was trying to like i think he had just gotten into rammstein rammstein yeah he had just gotten into that and he's like trying to push his music on me and i was like trying to play my hockey game and i just told him like fuck off i'm trying to play hockey and that was the end of our friendship. After oh, really? like, wow. yeah, just like a weird, like snippy thing, right? Yeah. And I've regretted it forever. And so, like, because Rammstein's really good. I know. But I was, <laughs> I was a hungover asshole playing NHL, probably yeah, like ninety something, you know? right? And it was stupid. And like, neither of us bucked up and like, yeah, tried yeah. to because you're it. a guy. Yeah, and it's just like, and then we Your went feelings on are and wrong. like. We went and got married, had kids, went our own ways, and now, and I hope he's okay talking about it, but like, we both have been divorced recently, we both have gone through shit, and then I started doing this, and then, um, he was Nathan, he was in the Pathfinder group when you... Oh, yeah. And, um, that was my, that was my olive branch. For sure, man. Was just like, I was like, hey, I'm trying to GM for the first time, it's gonna be newbie stuff, do you wanna come over? And then that led into like, hey, do you want to stay over after one time and record a podcast? And it has fixed my friendship with him. And I consider him a friend again. That's awesome. Not that we weren't friends, right? But we just stopped talking over stupid macho guy bullshit. Yeah. And we were the furthest thing from macho guys in the first place, right? And so like... I think you're macho. (laughs) Yeah. I have a Randy Savage shirt. That's as far as it goes. But that the whole Jordan Peterson thing where he's just like, pick something. Put effort into it see where it takes it'll and he, he even said he goes it will surprise you what effort gets you nowadays right and like so yeah like i did this i recorded like i specifically picked a few people that were friends of mine that were like regina notable but still people i wanted to talk to right like one is an artist and i just kind of wanted to pick his brain and we sat and we talked for like two hours about like what we loved about comic books and all of a sudden now he's a best-selling author because he did the illustrations for um you know you're from Saskatchewan and it's awesome right to see someone with that success and just to sit and chat right and then um 
The second person was a friend of mine named Kendall who worked at government with me in that building. She was a summer intern, but she was in journalism school, and now she does the morning show for, like, CBC. And so it was cool to bring her in here because I didn't know her that well. And I just asked, like, what's it like to, like, student journalism find success, right? And I just... And bringing you over, like, I think I... I try not to hound, and I hate... Like, so there's a few people where I've asked, and then I'll let it be, and then I'll ask, and then I'll let it be. And with you, I've just been creeping up the aggressiveness <laughs> of how often I ask. Because, like, I do feel you have very good things to say, right? Like, I love your opinion on music. Mm. And we haven't even touched on some of the other stuff, like D&D. Like, your gaming knowledge is amazing, and, like, stuff like that. So, like... Well, I... I'm I don't know. I'm fluffing it, up your balls here. <laughs> it's... I mean, good for you for doing this. I mean, that's, uh, I, uh, when I was telling my wife, because I, I didn't really know, you know, how all of this worked and, and I, I don't really know a lot about blogs and vlogs and podcasts and I'm, I don't want to say I'm a Luddite when it comes to technology. It's just, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you talk about Jordan Peterson saying that, you know, uh, uh, people have to put effort into things and it goes to what it circles back to what we were talking about before that everything is so easy now you can you can instantly you know the 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 complete sum of all human knowledge is at your fingertips so why isn't everything else easy and i think we get into that cycle uh, uh you know i'm i don't want to call it a a, a midlife crisis but but I'm I'm having this kind one of one of my favorite songs ever. <laughs> crisis. I'm I'm having this this crisis of conscious where I don't feel I've ever really created anything, and that kind of wears that wears on me. That you know I've uh, uh, I've I've got guitars, but I'm 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 terrible. I, I I don't have the manual dexterity to, and regardless of my effort or lack thereof. I, I'm never gonna get to a point where I'm gonna be able to create a song and record it, and I'm 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 okay with that. But you know, I, I my in high school I was a decent artist, but I'm not anymore by any stretch of the imagination because I never kept up with it. And you know, I've and and so I'm like you. I'm trying to find that thing that will I don't want to say give my life purpose because I have a fucking fantastic life. I've got a great job. I've got good friends. I've got an amazing wife. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I have nothing to really complain about, but I, I feel like that one, that one thing, that one creative outlet is missing. And, and that like, I, I, it, like I said, it wears on me and it, it bothers me that I can't, I can't find that thing. And you know, with you know Jordan Peterson, you know, like some of the, uh, some of the thing, and I and I know that that people are, people that that uh, do a cursory, uh, 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 you know, sort of investigation of him, are gonna key on the stupid shit. The leader post put no effort into their articles. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it's the leader post. You know, it, if I had a dollar for every spelling mistake and grammar grammar uh, error that I fi- find in the leader post uh, I, I probably could retire early like it's it's not it felt it's like not, yeah it felt like they found out about him like a week before and I'm like it's not the bastion of journalism that that the you know <laughs> the, 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 the 
they're not the New York Times or the Washington Post or anything like of that caliber. But that said, you know, we were talking about Jordan Peterson. I mean, like anything, you have to take what you can uh, that is a value to you and ignore the rest. But you know, uh, uh, I think a lot of people are are quick to judge anything. They're quick to judge anything now without really taking the time. Like any any news item on on uh, uh, local television, any you know uh, sort of uh, book writ, like anything can be judged harshly at first. At, but unless you take, like he says, put the effort in and investigate stuff, uh, um, you know, I, I you can't really give credit to to any of that. Uh, that stuff and you were you were saying that that a, he a lot of what he says speaks to you well fuck how often do you say that in this day and age it's been a long time yeah, but, but Rogan but also it, was very motivational too but right? exactly but, though right like uh, you know when I say Joe Rogan uh, my wife thinks of uh, Fear Factor not news radio but but <laughs> oh, yeah I guess news radio too because she loved that show as well but that's kind of my that's kind of my point that unless you take the time to go oh well shit the guy's got a, a great uh, a, a great online persona or a, a presence and and you know he has and and see you you come from from the the podcast thing and and I I just see the YouTube videos of his podcast so are you watching a podcast or are you watching a video I don't know I don't know how that works he said that the YouTube views is like a fraction of what he gets off of iTunes for just commuting people who yeah. just throw him on because yeah and like even with this now like California is a major slice of my listening audience like Canada is going to drop to second or third and this is where I live because I don't think podcast culture is really here yet and um, well, it's Canada. We're we're usually about thirty years behind the rest. But <laughs> our, but not in our that's, province an extra ten. Yeah. But that's not that's not an insult. But the, it it's kind of just the reality of things. We we are we are sort of the the uh, uh, the the Zellers and you know Kmart of the world. Where you know when all else fails, you'll probably find it last there it, yeah it's it just i don't know it's something about but that california that's do you know why like why um, is that no and it's just it's so funny because like i've gotten feedback from different listeners right one was that i'm going too long but in all and it's just it's me doing what i'm feeling right and this is like like we've almost been talking for two hours it feels like 10 minutes right like it's just Jesus, really? I love it. It's just, and that's the same thing. Like Rogan cuts his at three hours. And I, so I set my goal at 90 minutes and I love what he does in this unedited, like I'll edit out things if I know it'll get me in trouble at work. Or like I said, my one friend from Fantasy Flight needed stuff pulled out because he's under an NDA and can't talk about things coming up. But other than that, I leave them. I literally hit stop on the recorder, convert it to an MP3 and shoot it out to the internet. And I love that. I love that it's just because too much of what people are listening to now is it has 
talk for three minutes commercial commercial paid advertisement someone slinging something (laughs) somebody that because of the commercial has to say their view in a right-wing manner and i don't and it's just to me this is like it's nice i can talk i don't have to worry about like i'll express my views you don't like it turn it off that's fantastic right like me hailing jordan peterson is like kind of a savior of my sanity to a point right and the first book i've bought in 20 years it was 12 rules for life and it's like he's helped me turn around so like people who protest him because he was against compelled speech which was his beef but they took it into him being against transgender people and it's just because people are warping his words and he i remember the last interview i listened to with him he's like i may stop doing television because they have time to edit me yeah, and build it into what they want, or cut to commercial and cut yeah. me off, and so like going to and just listening to him for two hours straight, just unedited, and interacting at the end with questions from our audience, right? Like, it's just there's this freedom in like long form speech, and that wasn't my intent at the beginning when I started going long because I got complaints that I shouldn't be going longer than forty minutes, and I thought about it for like five minutes. I was like, you know what, fuck it, my format is ninety plus. Yeah. Period. I do not want to cut my friends off. And half the time, even after 90 minutes, I hit stop and we have another two hour awesome conversation. And I get fucking irate that I didn't record that to you. Right. <laughs> and like the first two podcasts were PG. And then I was like, I don't like this. Boom. I flipped myself to parental advisory. Right. Like yeah. I'm doing what I want to do. You know what? I didn't even ask if I could swear. I just it's part of my vernacular. Yeah. You know and what I mean? Like, it, it really is. And now my kid's 10. So like, fuck him. I'm going to swear again. Right. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy has a sailor mouth. Dad didn't swear because of all my years in the restaurant biz. Yeah. So I was in front of people. I couldn't swear. Yeah. And then I had a kid. So, hey, don't swear. And so after this, like, 15 years, 20 years of, like, restaurant, parenthood, everything, I'm like, he's old. When he's playing Fortnite and shooting at people, he goes, fuck. And I'm like, whatever, he's 10, right? Like, he's mad. Listen, I, would, listen, I would do the same thing. Listen, they're using words we don't even realize at school that are uh, that are cuss words. Yeah. That. You know it, right? Well, I just learned the thought is the new insult for calling a girl a hoe. T-H-O-T. A thought. Yeah. It stands for that hoe over there. See? <laughs> there. We've all learned something today. Um, see? But 10. I know. But he, whatever. But like, yeah. So he swears. I'm like, that's it. I'm going back to being me. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to refrain from swearing. I'm not going to have the daddy muff. The But you're not. No, hold on. You're not allowed to be yourself anymore. Because it's wrong. You've got to be what you're told is the right way to be. Do you know what I mean? I'm, obviously, I'm being facetious. I know. But, and but, but that's, that's just it. People aren't themselves anymore. And I also think that's why Joe Rogan has 20 million like listens per podcast. And you Because know, but, he doesn't care. But there, there, is a, there is a... If I can get up on my soapbox for a second... There is a a uh, a group of a group within uh, our society that's allowed to be themselves and are hailed for being themselves, but actually there there are there are several factions in in society that are allowed to and are hailed for being themselves, but no one else is allowed to be themselves anymore because what we have been for the entirety of our lives is suddenly wrong and i don't i don't get that hypocrisy listen and and you know uh, uh i've i've said it once i've said it a thousand times 
you can call me an asshole, you can call me whatever you want, but you'll never ever get away with calling me a hypocrite, ever. That's the one thing that I will not tolerate, because I, I, you know, I, I say what I, I say what I think, and I think what I say, and good for you for doing that as well, because, it, you know, whether you're you subconsciously realize it or not, when you stifle yourself, when you prevent yourself from being exactly who you are. Um, you know, like, and I, I'm, I'm saying it within the context of, of your personality. Like, you know, I'm not condoning somebody. Well, you know, I think I'm a, you know, uh, a pyromaniac, and I'm going to go say, like, I'm not saying shit like that. That is stuff that you act. You that when it, we say shoot for your dreams, that guy shouldn't listen. That guy shouldn't listen. <laughs> but no, no, don't shoot for your dreams because your dreams are like there's, it's fucking stupid. It, you you know shooting for your dreams you know be the best person that you can you know like I would absolutely love to be a world class metal musician that is hailed from one uh, uh, Scandinavian country to the next it's, it's never going to happen if I quit my day job and devoted all of my my uh, 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 efforts and my, my finances to that it would be a stupid fucking thing to do wouldn't it that that would that's that would be a dream that would destroy my life that's a stupid thing to do but if music is your passion i think you should continue picking but, up the guitar no. and just fiddling with it yeah but uh, i i i i've got better things to do that i enjoy more you i know, know what bfa I mean? is out d- 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm having fun i you know i'm having fun but and that's but, yeah that's huge right because but, like most but, people are like they're they're working a job they despise they're coming home and hating their lives and and repeating yeah but how many people actually love their job paul um not a lot one tenth of one percent not a lot of people <laughs> but but if you uh and I, I, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm being a, uh, not a plagiarist, but, but whoever, I, I, I wish I could remember who it came out and said is like, don't follow your dreams because, you know, that's the wrong thing to do. Those telling those, uh, motivational speakers that, that say, uh, oh, you know, you know, follow your dreams no matter what that's, it might've been, it might've been Kevin Smith. It might have been Kevin Smith that said it, you know, Silent Bob. Like, that's a fucking stupid thing to do because you're going to, you're going to, like, ruin your marriage and you're going to ruin your good job and you're, like, following a dream that you shouldn't be doing. You know, I... There's realistic goals. There's, like, but, but you know what? Like, yeah, you know, try. try. I'm not saying don't try. Go ahead and, you know, try and get a band together and, 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 but... Like, be conscious that of your own abilities. You know, I would. It would be great. I would love to fly a plane, but it's not something I'm. I'm ever going to be able to do, because it takes a lot of money and a lot of you know uh, uh, practice, and you have to join the flying club and you have to do this. 
if I get rich off this motherfucker, I'm buying you a plane. No, but <laughs> but do you know what I mean though? No, like, absolutely. Like that, that whole you have to be rational about it whole, too, right? Like, but what if uh, and and whenever I I see those those memes on the internet, like you know, don't uh, don't let anybody ever change who you are. Listen, some people are terrible people and do awful things, and I wonder when they read that. Does that motivate them to keep doing those th- those terrible things? There's a lot of malevolent people out there. But do you know what like, I mean? Like, no, yeah. It's, like, because you immediately think that oh, it's it's a uh, uh, it's it's a a single mother that that wants to you know uh, uh, wants somebody to buy her crafts. Do, listen, Judy, do, keep keep doing what you're doing because, damn it, it's it's worthwhile. That's the those memes speak to those people, right? But I always wonder, like, there is some awful person that is doing terrible, unspeakable things, and they're reading that and going, yeah, I am going to keep doing what I'm doing. I was going to stay home today, (laughs) but this has motivated me. To go out and, you know, continue to make people's lives miserable because a meme on the internet said, hey don't care what people say about you. Keep I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's an evil Tony Robbins out there you in know the world I mean? somewhere. Oh yeah. Like I, I see, I, I laugh at that and I kind of go, yeah, some terrible, terrible person is going to read that meme and go, yeah, I'm going to go out and keep doing that awful shit that I do because that's who I am. <laughs> I don't know. I hate the internet, but we're, yeah. all, we're tied to it now. Oh, absolutely. And it, it is, I'm, like, I'm physically tied to it now by this, by, yeah. Yeah, thanks, and your Paul. name's going on the webs Thank- for an eternity. Thanks, Paul. I like that my legacy is that if I am gone someday, my kid can still hear me. That that's kind of cool. It that only dawned on me recently. And it's kind of creepy too. Because I was reminiscing just about my own father, right, and just the lack of decent interaction that we had, right? Because I was a gamer, and he was from the get your hands dirty, go fix a car, go do something generation, right? So like complete divide nothing yep. in common right and i'm like i have no co- opportunity for conversation anymore or even like interaction and then it dawned on me with me doing this like if this sticks like if soundcloud's around forever and if itunes is around forever how many hundreds of hours of me babbling is my son gonna have access to when i'm gone and like that's something that like it's weird but it's super cool like do, do you think that when in, in 20 years or whatever, when he listens, that's that's totally something he'd say. Oh, you, you probably. know what I mean? Like, oh, God, my dad. Before, before he went really nuts. <laughs> no, and it's just so many other things have spun out of this, right? Like, and I have found a modicum of success. Like, at first, I just wanted to, like, sit and chat with friends. And then I started, but I am putting it out there. Like, let's not. Like, let's be honest. I wanted people to listen to me. I am an attention whore at heart, right? And, like, I am a chatty person, right? And I know it. And that's why I tried the wrestling for a while, too, right? Like, it's just... My wife My wife categorized you as an introvert today. Because she thought... She doesn't really know you that well. She says, Paul, I have a podcast? Like, I kind of thought I took him for an introvert. And I'm like, no. That's just... When you he- should tell her to count her blessings that I, <laughs> that I do shut up around he's her. A, he's a chatty Kathy. Yeah, like, it's just, I enjoy chatting. So, like, this all made perfect sense and has helped me heal now because I do have something I'm working on. And, like, it's 40-year-old Paul, what he likes to do, right? Like, and it's brought me closer with some people that I was kind of friends with. And it's, like, like I said, fixed some friendships. 
and it's just it's cool and now I have people listening to me from around the world and like I can pick up my phone and I have like there's the app to listen to podcasts and now there's an analytics app and I can hit that open it and it's like you're being listened to in Amsterdam at two in the morning you're being listened to in California while this guy's driving to work um, you're being listened to by your mother-in-law in Melville like it's just whatever it's just I get down to the city and the day wow. the people are listening to me right and it's that's that's interesting and but then it's growing it's like three listens in a week ten listens in a week you got 50 in a month you got 80 in a month I was a lazy fuck and I don't think I recorded a thing in April boom really that was my wake up call I dumped back down in listens and so then after April May get make sure you get people in the door talk to them just keep it going right yeah. don't be lazy it's like Jordan Peterson says keep striving but keep putting effort into it don't pretty much don't rest on your laurels once you have like and then I remember May or June it was like I hit 100 downloads in a month I'm like this is nuts and then I hit 500 for a grand total and then I hit like another 100 in July and then all of a sudden in the first week of August I had 100 and so like I know I keep hitting Peterson but he's like set goals but set attainable goals because it's yeah. always those people that are like I'm going to get a beach body and be like look like a million yeah. bucks next week yeah. and they quit after two yeah, workouts exactly and so I have these incremental goals but now all of a sudden I got 100 downloads in the first week of August I'm like I just kicked the bar off of the high jump where do I go now and I was and I had this Patreon sitting waiting for success and I feel like I have a modicum of success and I now I've talked about it and I will advertise it more like if you think you like what I'm doing, it's five bucks a month. It will go towards better sound equipment. Someday I will add the video element to it. I may. Oh my God. I know, but these are like, and these are goals though, right? Like rent a studio, stop doing this in your house. Like just, but those are like, could be years down the road, but I have incremental things. But all of a sudden I jumped a few increments and I'm like, do I sit and rest on the few that I've just kicked the door in? Right. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, like. My goal was to go a while with a hundred a month, period. Yeah. Until I reached a thousand and maybe announced a thousand. But now I'm like, is August going to be a two, three hundred download month? What do I do now? The bar's up here, so now what do I have to do to maintain it? Right. So now, it's interesting and like it's exciting. Like it's weird. It, I I'm you know good for you for having more than one person. Because I mean, I I would if do, all the downloads came from Melville, it would also make perfect sense, right? But <laughs> they're not. If I did something like this, I would be happy that that five people took the time to even listen to anything that I had to say. And and I'm going to ask you, like, if somebody gives you money, like this the the Patreon thing, and and says, "Don't ever have Terry Demeter on your show again. Just don't tell me." If they I'll pay, just send him his T-shirt and we'll have they a fun pay, day. If they if they pay you, <laughs> you can cancel the subscription the if, second that you come back though. If they pay you, <laughs> if they pay you not to have me as a guy, I just don't want to know. No, but That's, like that would be the only feedback was on length, <laughs> and I am already I've put my my internet foot down that I like long form. Um, I've been told to split things into episodes, like Terry episode one thirty minutes, Terry episode two thirty minutes, and I'm like, but then you start getting into stupid stuff like previously on lost like it's just like i don't want people having to like what were they talking about last week so i'm like fuck it long pre, pre, previously on that long-haired idiot <laughs> i gotta grow my hair out then um yeah <laughs> now they know you have long hair yeah <laughs> well i mean it's can't they 
Oh, they. That's right. They can't tell. Yeah. You should go locked out. So it's so account. I didn't have to. I didn't have to get do my coif before I came over. So I didn't have to do my hair, and I didn't have to select a. An the only person t-shirt. you're impressing is the cat. The cat looks nonplussed. <laughs> she doesn't give a fuck. Right on. This is what I do. Well, it's been I fun. I hope you enjoyed it. It's been fun. And I appreciate you coming out. Thanks.